Welcome back to Unconcluded. This is Sidebar. I'm Sean Gert. And I'm Scott Jamison. Last episode, we considered a social media post that was interesting, to say the least. A post in which a man made a bizarre string of admissions, which included an apology to Jennifer's parents. You heard from the guy who sent it to us in the first place, and after that episode aired, we had a chance to speak with him again. So to start today's sidebar, we just want to fill you in with the additional information we were able to get from him and share that conversation with you. Also, a side note, the clip does include some explicit language. Just wanted to make you aware. Dude, I was just thinking, like, man, like, that shit's crazy, because, like, I was thinking, too, like, back in that time, like, uh, there was, um, like, he was into, like, uh, you know, like, escorting and shit, right? Like, girls oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, he was into that really big. And now I'm thinking of it, like, there was a couple girls that he had that I know of that were around him at that time. That me and my wife were talking about it, and I mean, I mean, it's just, it's just weird how he said that. You know what I'm saying? I was just thinking about it, like, yo, like, maybe he is just coming up with a, you know, a confession. You know, bro, that dude is crazy, bro. Like, was crazy. Like, I mean, this dude is like, I mean, real, real deal. Like. He was young at the time, but he was crazy. Someone older than him was, I think, like, he was hanging around, like, an older crowd, of, a group of people, you know, and that were, like, his cousins or whatever, you know, because I knew he hung up with a lot of, like, gang members and stuff, like, on Oak Ridge and, you know, Texas Avenue and stuff like that. So, like, I don't know, man. It's just, and then, like, where they found a car and stuff like that, and then, like, all of a sudden he said that, like, I don't know, bro. I hung out with him a couple times. Like, hung out with him, hung out with him, you know what I'm saying? Oh, no, I don't know. I know he used to stay in, um, uh, what was the fucking name of the apartments? Uh, Vista something, Point Vista or some shit like that. Okay. Okay. And I was like right over there by Huntington on the Green, right by Huntington on the Green. And actually, I think he lived down Holden, right there by Huntington on the Green, too. But I mean, when I was talking to the investigator and stuff, like, she was like, she was like, you know, like, kind of like surprised, you know? Like, how he said it, you know? And she's, I think she's, like, on a lead to, like, I kind of think that she's going to, she's, like, on the lead to, like, send, like, you know, to go get him, bring him back for questioning, because, I mean, I kind of do think that he had a part, part to do it in that, you know? Yeah. Now that I've been thinking I mean, that... with my wife. Like, because I've known, I've known him personally, you know? I've known mm-hmm. him personally, and, and it was like, um... This is like a weary feeling whenever you're around him, you know? Like, mm-hmm. you never know what was going to happen. Like, you know, he always was into, you know, drugs and, you know, just, it was just a big, 
Just so you're following along, at this point he's circled back to what he was talking about earlier and this individual's possible actions within a human trafficking type scenario. Just like kind of like getting them high, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. like I mean, they weren't going to go anywhere. Like, I mean, they were. I think it was more like stuck on like the drugs, you know? Mm-hmm. But he was always like trying to find different ways, you know what I'm saying? But I think it was more that he he dealt with bigger people, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And that's what I think it boils down to, you know what I'm saying? Because, like, there's, like, he's been around for a long time, and I know all the people that he, he hangs around with, and, I mean, they're, like, you know, big people, like, in Orlando, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I just, yeah. I just think it's weird that he wrote that. Like, why would you write that? Like, what do you have any, any like ties to this girl? You know, like how? Well, you know, like I, I kind of even forgot about her until like my wife brought it up the other day, and I was like, oh yeah, I remember that girl. And then, you know, why are you apologizing for what? Mm-hmm. And that's what the investigator said too. Like, what? What's? Why are you? Why are you apologizing? You know, like, what is, what is there that you need to apologize for, you know? The last time she talked to me, she, like, asked me a bunch of questions, you know. She knew my wife from the school that she was in. She was the, the officer at, my, at the school that my wife went to. Oh, wow. And, like, she knew, like, the whole area where we're from, you know. And right. she knew, like, like my, my uh, generation that grew, grew up, you know. But, you know, and she was like, she, I mean, she looked at his background and she was like, holy shit, you know, like, there was so much stuff. Because it's not only that, now, now it's bringing up other things that he's done that they could bring him back on, you know what I'm saying? Like the shooting of my friend that we didn't know that was him, but now, I mean, I knew it was him, but I didn't know his name, you know? And that's what, we had some people ask about that. They say you didn't know his name, and they're wondering why the police didn't, you know, like get a yearbook from your school and have you, you know, identify him, identify his face or something like that. Can you? The investigators you, weren't even, like, trying like that, you know what I'm saying? They were just, like, really? they thought it was more, like, gang-related, you know, they were just, like, you know, and then when my friend got shot and stuff, like, I drove him to the hospital, like, you know what I'm saying? We went back to the house, and then we passed the Snoko why they were taping it up, and we went to the, you know what I'm saying, hospital, mm-hmm. and, and, but then, she was talking about there was a, a light-skinned dude, alright, so when my friend got shot, he was hanging out with a Spanish dude with kind of longer hair, so that's mm-hmm. what I told her, too, that was, like, one of his best friends, and that well, guy, like, he has, like, she looked up his record, like, it's one of my, the people I grew up with, and that was, like, his best friend. And they looked up, she looked up his record, and he had, like, so much, like, took the murder charges that were dropped, you know, like, all kind of stuff. Your friend, the one that was shot? No, 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 All right, so when my friend got shot, there was a Spanish guy that was with when he shot my friend, named, and kind of had, like, you know, like, thing going on back in the day, too, you know? It was like a, it was kind of like a, um... Like, kind of like the afro, but, like, pulled back. And I was like, he was with that day. 
I'm saying? That he shot my friend. But so, like, you know, it was just, you know, just a bunch of stuff. But, I mean, it all boils down to he wrote her name in a comment and then deleted it. Watch delete the comment, you know what I'm saying? Right. How long do you think it was up? It was only up for, like, a, not even a day. It was, like, quick, bam, and then deleted. Like, like, I was talking to the detective. All right, so he got deported, right? And then, like, mm-hmm. if you look at his pictures and stuff on, like, you know, he's in, like, like, the area that he's in is, like, real bad, you know? Like, he's probably not doing so good, right. you know? And he's probably just trying to get right, you know what I'm saying? And that's what the, 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 the detective was telling me. That, that's what she thinks. Today's episode is sponsored by Zola, the wedding company that is reinventing wedding planning and the wedding registry experience. Join over 300,000 couples who have used Zola. Zola registry has everything you love about your favorite department store, plus things like honeymoon funds, fitness classes, wine subscriptions, and so much more. Unique features include a group gifting option that lets multiple guests contribute to big ticket items. You can also personalize your registry with photos and notes about why you're coveting certain gifts. There's price matching and free shipping every day, and they have a top-rated app for iPhone, iPad, and Apple Watch, so couples can manage their registries on the go. There's also a suite of tools that go beyond the registry, including a free wedding website. I wish that there had been something like Zola when I got married. I tried it out myself just last week, and it really couldn't be easier to use. And I was surprised with the amount of options in every category that can be added to your registry with just one click. To sign up with Zola and receive a $50 credit towards your registry, go to zola.com unconcluded. Again, to get this great offer, a free $50 credit towards your registry, go to zola.com. That's Z-O-L-A dot unconcluded. Okay, now we'll move on to our emails and social media posts. Deanna sent us an email and asks if we could go into more detail on why the post could be interpreted as a confession, besides the apology language. Was there specifics mentioned? Location, time, reference to the fact that she was reported missing, anything of that nature? The apology language is all that really ties Jennifer Kessie by name to this post specifically. But you have to understand the context of the entire post is alarming as well. I'll paraphrase the post to the best of my ability because it's hard to make sense of because there's a lot of slang and misspelled words and apparently multiple languages involved. But it starts saying something along the lines of being in a prison or at a prison in the country that he was deported to. And then he goes on to talk about molesting his sister and his little cousin, mentions several names, And he uses first names only and tells them sorry. And then he mentions at least two or three other names at the end, one of which is Jennifer Kessie. He uses first and last names here. It then includes the date of October 31st and an address at the end. Now, we realize that we have not released this address, the individual's name, or other names in the post, the country that he was deported to, or any of that stuff. Simply put, if there is an investigation of any sort with law enforcement here, We don't want to jeopardize that in any way. So 
at some point down the road, maybe the information can be shared. But of course, we need to allow them the space to continue their investigation. Sean, Tanisha has a question on Facebook, and a few people have asked when exactly the post on Facebook was made. We don't have the exact date because the screenshot that we have was taken soon enough that on Facebook it, it shows that it was posted three hours ago. So it would have been three hours prior from when the screenshot was taken, but we don't have the exact date on the screenshot. Based on the information from the person who sent us the screenshot, our best estimate that it was probably posted sometime in October. Tanisha also would like to know if we believe that this individual could possibly be tied to the episode where the lady sees the two men behind her house flash the headlights of a car into the woods. There was two men. And Sean, do you think there's any correlation possibly between the two? The house and the apartment complex where this individual lived were pretty close together. Right. Well, if we're talking about if it could be tied to Oak Ridge Church, in light of our most recent conversations with him, I think it's possible. And what we can say for sure is that we're talking about the same general area of town. So by location, it's certainly possible. Now, whether or not all of the rest of it fits into play, that we just don't know. We had a lot of feedback, uh, especially on social media, about the latent fingerprint that was found in Jennifer's car and the fact that this individual had a criminal record and would have had fingerprints taken. Sean, does this mean that he's not the POI? Can we rule him out as being the POI? Yeah, it would seem that based on the information that we do have, this individual being the POI is probably unlikely. This person's body style does not really match up with that of the POI. This person has a darker complexion than it appeared that the POI had. So I think that we can probably say that it's unlikely that this person was the person of interest. However, I don't think we can rule it out just because of, of how poor the POI video is to start with. Okay, now we have some voicemails we'd like to get to. Hi guys, this is Bailey from Portland, Oregon. I just want to say that I love the podcast. I started listening last week. I'm almost caught up. Um, My question is, I remember from the beginning, Jennifer's mom said that her work clothes were laid out on her bed, I believe. And that's always kind of confused me. Did she have everything set up to get ready for work that day? Or what am I missing here, I suppose? If she was on her way out to work when she was abducted, she wouldn't have work clothes laid out still. Anyway, thank you so much for everything you're doing. Have a great day. This has been something that's been discussed for a long time. Based on our conversations with Jennifer's family, it was not unusual for her to lay out her clothes, pick from the clothes that were laid out, and then the others that she did not choose just to kind of leave them laying out. 
So I, I think that the assumption was by her family that her work clothes were laid out, that she wore one outfit and left the others, and it sort of indicated that she had been on her way out the door for work. So that's one of the reasons behind many people's assumption that she got ready for work in the morning before she was abducted. Hi, my name's Heather. I'm currently in St. Augustine, but I was a longtime Orlando resident. And I just wanted to know, do you guys still think that Jennifer is alive? Or do you think that she has unfortunately met an untimely death? And um, in regards to the POI, have they ever um, kind of reconciled the difference in height between the Orlando Police Department and what the FBI had come to concluded? And if not, would do you think getting a another opinion would be worthwhile. Thank you, and keep up the good work. I'm so glad you guys are bringing attention to this case. It's stuck with me for such a long time. Have a great day. For the first part of your question, I think from a purely statistical point of view, chances are Jennifer is no longer alive, especially when you consider the type of person she was known to be, strong-willed. She would not have gone along without a fight. But in the end, I don't think we can say that we know she's alive or not alive. There's just no evidence to suggest either. And the only thing we have to go on is the usual outcome in these kinds of cases, which, again, is that she's no longer alive. But unfortunately, that closure of knowing is what eludes Jennifer's family. And it's needed. Because until they know for sure, one way or the other, there's that possibility that she's still out there. As for the person of interest's height, the reported fact of the case from law enforcement is that the individual is between 5'3 to 5'5, and they've more or less agreed on that. That's what's been released on the posters and case information that they've made public. But to your point, I think it would definitely be worth another look and another calculation, because maybe there was a mistake. Hi, this is Nadia from Los Angeles. I'm calling in because I listened to your episode and I thought it was really, really interesting. And it occurred to me that you had a guy on a few episodes back who said that he took a, tried to take a picture of a crazy person that he saw in front of the, I, I feel like in front of the place where the car was dropped off. And the guy ran away and he was never able to take the picture. And I'm wondering if it would be possible to show the picture of the guy on Facebook that you just mentioned to the guy who tried to take a picture of the crazy person all those years back and see if it's the same guy. It's just a thought. Thank you so much for everything you do, and thank you for taking my call. Bye. Thanks for the call, Nadia. And you were thinking exactly what we were thinking, because we did have a chance to get the picture of this individual from the last episode and compare with the individual that the other gentleman, Ethan, said that he had seen at the Huntington on the Green. In this particular case, they don't match up. So the person who left the Facebook post, we can say for sure is not the person that Ethan saw. But that said, today you heard that there may be another individual who was known to be hanging around with the Facebook post person fairly regularly, who may fit the description a little bit better. So we're working on tracking down a photo of that person who we can compare with Ethan 
and see if we can get anywhere on that end. So good idea, and we will make sure that we continue looking into that angle just to see if there's any puzzle pieces that can be connected. Hello, Unconcluded. Joey from Fort Worth, Texas here. Uh, I was calling you more or less just to give my opinion on uh, the most recent, um, I guess, screenshot of the... I, I I don't want to call it a confession because it's going too far, but the screenshot of the Facebook post uh, of the unknown, unnamed individual. Uh, I absolutely think that it's something that cannot be dismissed because of clusters. Uh, in other words, whenever you're looking at something that's related, you look at you know a handful of things. You have a person who somewhat fits the profile has a criminal history, uh, where, which we you didn't go into depth of uh, in depth as far as what his history and other was than than his friend, which was more or less hearsay. So we don't have finite a finite definition of history other than this guy was a loose cannon. But you do have at least some sort of profile on him, loose cannon. You have him in the place roughly at the same time frame as her, and you have a, 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 a I don't know, I, a, a mention of him on a random Facebook post 11 years later. I don't think it can be dismissed, but at the same time, you can't, especially without a name, what are you supposed to do with that? I mean, it's it, it feels like it's another dead end. In other words, it's just kind of something to put in your back pocket a reference later on in case you find something else halfway related to it. I would definitely look into what is this guy's real name? Who is he? What, 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 what's the background now? Is he in prison now? Is it, has he been deported and, and he's left the country? And if so, where? Is he in jail overseas? Is there any way to contact this guy by some stretch of the imagination if he had some sort of confession about the situation? Anyway, that's, that's my two cents. Don't dismiss it, but there's not much that you can go on without a name or otherwise. There you go. That's all I got. Uh, Thanks for listening. I find the the podcast super interesting, and uh, I hope you guys, uh, you know, keep up the the search. Thanks. Joe, you bring up a lot of the things that Scott and I discussed when we first got this information. And much of the same reason that we thought that this was something that we couldn't just dismiss. But I do want to clarify a couple things. First of all, we do know some of the information that you mentioned. We just haven't been able to share it on the podcast. We know the individual's name. We know where he was deported to. We do have that information. And we know that law enforcement has that information because it's been passed along. So we can definitely confirm that this person has been arrested many, many times. Weapons charges among those. We also have done some due diligence and we are able to confirm that The individual that sent us the post, as well as the person who wrote the post, did have interactions or did have connections in in high school and that sort of thing. So a lot of the stuff we can independently confirm as far as some of the details. What we can't confirm, obviously, is the admissions that this person is making on their Facebook page. And and hopefully that's where law enforcement is going to be able to come in and, and take that farther.
We're going to leave you there today. Remember, if you think you may know something about the disappearance of Jennifer Kessie, the time to come forward is now. Call the Orlando Police Department and ask to speak to detectives in charge of her case. As some of you may have seen on our social media, the Orlando Police Department is calling a press conference this week to mark the 12-year anniversary of Jennifer's disappearance. Scott and I are planning to be there, and hopefully we'll be able to share it with you too. So check in on our Facebook page as we hope to stream on Facebook Live the press conference itself. I also wanted to let you know that the podcast schedule may be fluctuating a little bit over the next few weeks or next month or so. So just keep in mind that while new episodes are coming your way, they might not be coming on the same day at the same time as they had previously. As always, thank you for listening, thank you for participating, and thank you for being part of this. If you haven't already joined the Facebook group, check out the Unconcluded Podcast Discussion Group and click join. You can also like or follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. We appreciate all of you that have already done so and look forward to those of you who will do so soon. We'll see you next time. Music in this episode is by Lee Rosevere.